This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Unscripted Podcast. My name is Corby LaCroix, and the song you're hearing right now is called Great and Mighty One, available on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you get your music. But for now, here's your host and my friend, Aaron Conrad. Great Redeemer, God of grace. All right, everybody, welcome back to Unscripted from my studios here in Old Hilliard. Corby, thank you for the introduction on audio as always. And I'm excited about today. As this is going to be a really interesting conversation, I believe. Uh, why, don't, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I want to let my guest introduce himself, and we'll go from there. Cool. Yeah. Thank you, Aaron. Um, uh, thank you for having me. I'm excited about this. Uh, so uh, my name's Chris uh, Zaluski, and I'm a documentary filmmaker, originally from Northeast Ohio, uh, born and raised in the Canton, Ohio area. But now I've been living uh, in, in North Carolina for, oh, about half of my life. But now I'm in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. I'm a documentary filmmaker and also a professor uh, at the Wake Forest University Documentary Film Program. And we'll just get a few things out of the way. You said 330, yeah. so you're from Northeastern Ohio, which That's we right. talked about yeah. here in the pregame. Anybody Northeastern Ohio, you know, North uh, Ohio, um, you know, I'm a fan. And so that's very cool. <laughs> I'm also a North Carolina fan, and Wake Forest yeah. is in that triangle. But it's all good, man. It's all love. It's all, especially the week of Easter, man. It's all good. Yeah, oh, it has to be right. I hear you. I mean, I, I am. I guess I'm a Wake fan, but I mean, you know, this in Northeast Ohio, like at least for me, college basketball wasn't a big deal as right. much as it is down here. I mean, right. it is a big, big deal down here, and right. so. I guess if I had to say my allegiance for college basketball, it's Wake, but everything else is is Ohio. So there you go. Well, and honestly, that you just mentioned, you just nailed why I am a North Carolina fan is because there's not like college basketball in North. You know, God bless Cleveland State, and and they try real yeah. hard. And uh, yeah. but at yeah. the end of the day, that's why I'm a North Carolina fan. That's not why we're on today. <laughs> it's just really not. <laughs> so if you logged in for that, uh, I, you're going to be oh, disappointed in the rest, right? Yeah, that's all you're getting. So let me tell you this. Um, I'm I'm so intrigued by this. You have a documentary out, and um, it has to do. It centers around, I believe, a mural that was painted. And and I have to tell you, we live in Hilliard, Ohio, and we're like the mural um, capital of of Ohio. I think I don't I don't know if that's an official title, but um, and then what? A really funny story is they just built this basketball field house, and um, they painted a mural on a building right next to it. And my <laughs> there's one of the players looks just like my son. And so he's like, I don't think that's, I don't know if that was intentional. I have no idea, but all I know is he's forever memorialized on this building. <laughs> so whatever, we're going to claim it's him. Uh, awesome. but, but what I will say is that I, I watched many of these murals be painted. Um, one specifically in what we call old Hilliard, which is kind of our downtown um, region. And it, it is a fascinating process. And, I love this interview because there's a story behind each one of those people in that picture. Um, so why don't you, why don't you just tell your story and t like, because I think it's so fascinating. So I'll, I'll kick it sure. over to you, but, but just to give some groundwork as to um, what we have here in our very own city that many of the listeners are from, 
Um, so l- let me just turn it over to you. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll give kind of a rundown of the film, but let me just say, like, I think there is something really powerful in seeing art in a public space and yeah. being able to connect with it. Right. And so just, just the story you just said about it, the, the basketball player looking like your son, I mean, I think that's something really cool about seeing, um, seeing yourself or somebody like yourself in a display of public art. And so that right. was, um, yeah, I think that's the power of murals and the power of public art. But th- this film um, follows the creation of a traditional fresco-style mural, uh, so, you know, when I say fresco, a lot of people think of like the Sistine Chapel mm-hmm. or the Last Supper by Da Vinci. Um, it's a style of art that really isn't practiced all that much anymore. Um, it, it is a it's a big mural. It's um, uh, 28 feet long, 12 feet high. I mean, wow. it's a really big mural. Um, but in, in traditional fresco art, the the paint and the pigment is painted directly into wet lime plaster. And so the 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 wall, the art literally becomes part of the wall. It wow. doesn't sit on the surface um, like a like a oil painting or something like that. It actually becomes part of the wall, um, and that's I, well. I'll talk more about that later. While, while that really attracted me to the project, but um, so the film follows the creation of this mural in the in the sanctuary of a small church outside of Asheville, North Carolina. It's in the um, the the Western North Carolina mountains. If you're if you're familiar with it, mm-hmm. and um, instead of depicting a traditional religious scene. Uh, the film is depicting people in the Asheville community who are battling homelessness, addiction, mental illness. Um, uh, many of them are uh, currently homeless. A number of them have, have, are off the streets now. Um, and so the film kind of weaves in the story of how this fresco is created, which was a three-year process, wow. uh, with the stories of these individuals that are being depicted in the fresco. Um, and so it was about a three-year production process, too. Uh, and, uh, yeah, re- really excited to, to talk about it. But it was, it was a really cool project to work on. I love documentaries. Like, uh, you know, we're, we're inundated on Netflix with series and movies and all those things. I, I tend to, um, you know, when I log into my, my Netflix, it says suggestions for you, and it's all documentaries. <laughs> yeah. Because I think that's they're awesome. so powerful. You know, they're people's stories. And that's what I love mm-hmm. about this very platform that we're on today. Uh, it was never intended to be anything more. Uh, it just became what it is, and it's stories. And so... I think as I was reviewing uh, the beginning of the film and and many of the things that I noted, that's what that's what's so powerful here is this is story. The those those people on the wall, just like my son on that on the side of that building, he has a story. Um, is is that true? And and I think that's what we see in the film. Is that correct? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's not just the stories of these folks, but I mean, these are stories of people who you know, or on the margins of society too. Right. So these are people who usually their stories are not the ones that we hear. Right. And so I thought it was, you know, from, from a filmmaking standpoint, I thought it was a, a really uh, interesting thing to play with the fact that you're taking um, those whose stories are not normally heard and you're not just putting them in a painting, but you're putting them in a fresco that turns to stone. Wow. I mean, you're, 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 you know, creating a permanence to these stories. And right. so I think it takes that idea of, public art and seeing yourself in a, in a way that you normally wouldn't see yourself and it, and it amplifies it. And so, yeah, it's a story. It's, it's all, I mean, for me, I'm in, I, I got into documentaries. I used to be a newspaper reporter, um, but it's always been about telling stories. And so documentaries was kind of a, you know, an evolution of, of what I love to do as a newspaper reporter. Um, and I think that the fresco is in murals in general, in art in general is, is another form of storytelling. Um, 
And fortunately, this church where the frescoes painted in, the Haywood Street Congregation, um, they, they feel the same way. I mean, they, I originally got connected to the story because of this woman I knew who was their director of communication, and her title at the church is um, lead storyteller. Wow. So I, that's just, I love that because yes. it just it shows from the outset, you know, that's the importance that, that this church places on stories and the power that they know that stories have. And so that's, that's ultimately why they decided to embark in this fresco mural. I, th- I think it's so important in a world of Kardashians and whatever else, like, you know, yeah, yeah. whatever you think of the Kardashians, <laughs> it's, it's, we're, we're, we're constantly inundated with, um, the popular, the, the, whoever society decides is worthy of our time is mm-hmm. what goes into our social media feeds and it's what goes into our uh, everyday life. And I think if we all, uh, if you have a mural in your city, you know, <laughs> take a minute and realize that there's other people out there that aren't the Kardashians that didn't get famous for nothing. Uh, you know what I mean? Maybe they're not famous at all, but they have a story. I, I, I love, love, love the concept of, of this documentary. I really do because we all have a story and, um, it's so powerful. I think you mentioned it, um, how you were drawn to this project. What does a documentary? So just so people understand, because I watch, you know, again, I watch a lot of, um, what goes into making a documentary? Like, are you, did you live in this, in the area and, and you just drove to work every day or did you guys have to set up camp? How, how does making a documentary work? Yeah. And it can, it, it can look different depending on the production. Right. I mean, if you look at some of the bigger productions on Netflix and places like that, I mean, those can be crews of, you know, 10, 15, 20 people in the same way that you would see it for a, for a traditional, you know, fiction narrative film. Um, for me with this project specifically, and I have worked on, on bigger documentaries, but for this one, it really started as kind of a passion project. I was living in Asheville at the time and I, um, have my own equipment and, I also love the process of creating documentaries. I mean, that's part of the reason that it appeals to me. I love filming. I love meeting new people. I love editing. Yeah. Uh, and so I'm, I, for this project, this is not the case for all of them, but for this project, I was kind of the, uh, the director, the cinematographer, and the editor. Wow. Um, and uh, part of it was that um, it was a small enough project in scope, meaning like, a lot of the interviews were done while the artist Christopher Holt was sketching the models. And so I could just sit back with my camera and hear their stories. It didn't really demand a big crew. Um, that was part of it. The other part of it too, was just, um, the, the project was not intended to be this way from the beginning. Like it really Hmm. snowballed. I, I originally thought, okay, I'll film, you know, maybe five times and create a short film that the church can use. And it turned into this, you know, three and a half year feature film. And every time I thought I was done, I just found another thing that that interests me and I kept filming it. And so, um, I guess I'm just saying that because, you know, depending on the style of documentary, I mean, we're talking ESPN 30 for thirties, which are some of my favorites. Right. I mean, those are big time productions. Those are not one man or one woman band going out there with the camera. But this project for the most part was, I mean, I was in the, in the community. I could just drive down to the church and film or drive over to the artist studio and film when I needed to. Um, the very last, uh, the very last shoot 
was March 5th, 2020. Um, (laughs) and I had, I had wanted to get a few more pickup shoots, but the very last shoot was right before everything shut down. Right. Right. And so I had had a few people helping me edit the film, a few assistant editors kind of collecting, uh, you know, scenes and stuff for me. But then I was just pretty much in my basement for nine months and it forced me to edit the whole thing. And I, I would have probably edited most of it, but it, again, it, it made me the lead editor, whether I liked it or not (laughs) being quarantined in my basement. So Uh, for a number of reasons. Yeah. 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 And I was, so that, that tees it up to the next question perfectly because, um, that's what I was wondering. Like, I think I've, I've never been a director in a film, but I assume, um, the typical process of a film would be, you know, we have a script. So let's just say it's a Spider-Man movie. Uh, we have our script and then we go out and get our actors and then we, you know, do whatever they do to make magic happen. Um, in a documentary, you probably didn't know what would happen on a day-to-day basis because you're filming real life. So then you went, and I think you teed this up perfectly. You took all this raw footage, very raw, where, you know, I would think in a typical film, I'm filming Spider-Man running down the street, uh, saving whoever today. You know what I mean? Like it's script. It's script. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's going to happen from one scene to the next. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Um, and and so I I assume in a documentary, you don't know what every day is going to bring. And now you have this data, you have all this raw footage. And as you said, you went to your basement. So is that, is that right? And how do you comb through probably hours and hours and hours to tell a story that unlike the other story where Spider-Man's already scripted, you're very unscripted. You're, you're, you know, yeah, how do you truly. do that? That's a fascinating to me. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, from the start, I, I usually am attracted to film ideas that have at least a beginning, middle and end that I can envision. And right. so for this one, the, the painting had to be finished or it didn't, but right. it had to have a beginning, middle and end because of the process of completing the painting. Um, so I know that's really vague. No, I think it's perfect. It, that that's still that's still at least some sense of, OK, that. That's something to hang a narrative on, okay? Right. And then as I start going into it and I'm meeting people who are actually depicted in the painting, that's where it becomes a lot more of, you know, I don't know what I'm going to find out. I don't know who is going to, um, you know, be more appealing than another person um, or where, you know, okay, this this person wants to talk to me. I'm going to talk to them. And that leads to a whole other avenue that I didn't think of. That becomes more of the magic of documentary, and I'm not I'm not from a, a fiction background. I like I said, I was a newspaper reporter, and then I led me into documentary. Um, and and part of that appeal to me is the unknown. Mm-hmm. You know, where I'm going to go film, and I'm going to learn things. I'm going to hear from people that I never would have heard from before. Um, and then it's my job to try to piece that footage together in the most coherent, accurate, truthful way. Um, it's a challenging process. It's like the toughest puzzle you've ever done, but also one of the more gratifying puzzles, you know? Yeah. And that's how I view it. I, I really love that part of it is sitting down with all this footage. In this case, I probably had uh, 60, 65 hours of footage wow. and getting that down to one hour. And that, that concept is called shooting ratio, how much raw footage you have to what the final product is. Um, and that 60 to 1, 65 to 1 is actually not that bad compared to other projects and other things I've worked on. I mean, you look at big-time reality shows, something like Deadliest Catch or those types of, of unscripted content, 
I mean, you're, you're probably in the thousands to one wow. ratio. And so, um, yeah, it's all part of it. And, and that's why, uh, it, that's why I love it though. It's challenging, but it's, it's really gratifying. So it's hard to really articulate it exactly. I yeah. hope that makes some sense. No, it but made perfect that's, sense. It's all part of the, the challenge of discovery. Hey everyone, my name is Cami Prannell and I'm the executive director for My Unscripted. We hope you are enjoying today's interview. My Unscripted is dedicated to helping others find their voice, passion, and follow their dreams. Our team can help create websites, apps, YouTube channels, podcasts, media, and social content. Whatever your passion and vision, we can help. Our good friend Manny Ahomi of Samaritan's Feet once said, make sure your dreams and goals are big enough to create room for others to join you. We've created room for you to join us too. Find out more at myunscripted.com. Now let's join Aaron for the second half of today's interview. Is there ever a time, was there a time in this film or any of your others um, where it was so hard to, um, uh, to not include maybe a certain amount of footage, you know, you're doing your editing and there's, I have to assume you get down to, let's just, you know, for, for Matt, let's just say there's 10 pieces and you got to cut it to two. How hard is it to let go of those eight that you, you know, I mean like that, that has to be a, a tough process. Oh yeah, absolutely. I think it, um, I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. I think it's Ernest Hemingway talks about killing your darlings right. as a writer. Right. It's same thing as an editor. And when you're working on your films, you get really attached to uh, a scene mm -hmm. or a character or whatever it might be. And you have to, you have to trim that out. And so I think the, the original runtime of this film, I shouldn't say original, the first, the first full cut of this film was around 90 minutes. Okay. Um, maybe a little bit longer. And, um, and then, you know, you start showing it to people. Um, I immediately showed it to the pastor of this church, Brian Combs. I wanted input from them about, you know, what am I on, what am I missing here? Or right. what, what is not coming across? Right. Because that's another big part of this too, is that I'm kind of telling this story as an outsider yeah. and how do I invest the community to make sure that I'm not misrepresenting anything. But, um, yeah, that's tough. I mean, it, it, it is difficult in any film. I will say one thing with this film that made it a little bit easier was um, if you ever go to this church, which I highly recommend because I can only I, I can't do justice to the, the real fresco, you know, in real life. But if you walk into the sanctuary of this church, there's a kiosk at the front um, and they have a touch screen where you can touch different elements of the fresco and different people oh, in the wow. fresco and hear their stories. Wow. And so I knew that if I, you know, scenes that I didn't use and there were two people that I ended up filming with that weren't in the final film, um, that at least they're in the, the kiosk and at least they're represented on the church's website. Um, and so it was kind of like a, I don't know, like a DVD extra, yeah. no, that's <laughs> right? Cool. Like I didn't yeah. feel, I didn't feel so bad because I knew it would at least would live someplace. It wouldn't be totally forgotten, but, uh, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough thing with anything. Yeah. You know, I think any artistic process, uh, you always have to kind of cut out things you get really attached to. Right. Again, you teed it. And again, we're unscripted. Uh, we did not have any of these things teed up, but you teed up the next one. <laughs> we're on the same way. <laughs> that's yeah. right. No, you teed, and you teed up the next question perfectly. Um, there were probably people and stories uh, that resonated with you as you made this film. Um, to your point, you know, I think you had to probably cut some of their story out or someone's story out. And so thankfully they are represented there at the church. Um, how hard was that? Uh, or, or maybe if not this film, another one, how hard is that when you get to know someone's real story and you get to know the person, um, 
how hard there's probably two challenges one to make sure that the rest of the world the viewing audience myself when i log into this film and watch it that i'm feeling what you felt getting to know that person how how do you one represent them and maybe this is a tough question but but two how do you know when to cut off uh you know the coverage or the footage um just you know i mean that's got to be tough to to say okay so here's yeah. this person let's just say uh adam smith which is just a fictional yeah. name um i get to know adam i get to know his story I want people to know his story. And so that's probably a challenge for you as a film, you know, in the film to let people know him the way you got to know him. And then two, not to cut it off too soon. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and I, th I think it speaks to why it's so difficult to work in a vacuum. Right. I mean, you can't do even this film where I did the majority of the, of the, um, filming and editing, I, I still have to bring people in to say, hey, does this make sense to you? How, did, how is this coming across? Or does this go on for too long? Is this boring? You know, I, because you're right. Like I'm bringing all of, all of my experiences in real life that I had filming a specific scene or a specific person. Um, and I have to remember that a viewer watching the film doesn't have any context outside of the frame. Right. You know, they, they, right. there's nothing that they're bringing in other than what I'm showing them on the screen. And so I have to have people kind of pushing back against me as I'm editing right. this to say, yeah, that doesn't work for me or this, this person goes on too long or, or this is confusing. That's another big thing is that I'll hear somebody say something and I'm immediately taken back to when I was filming right. that. And I know, I know what they right. mean, but showing that to somebody else, you know, that, that come, you know, that may not come across. And so I mean, let me just say this. When I was done, you know, with air quotes here, I know we're a podcast, <laughs> right, but with right. done with the, with the edit was probably, um, was, was probably around, uh, late summer, early fall 2000. So let's just say August. Um, it took another six months to get it to a point where I felt confident screening it for people right. and, and we, the first screening I think was in April of 2021 at film festivals. But, um, in that six months is a process of sending it to people, sitting down with people, uh, other editors who I work with, uh, other directors who I work with and just taking notes about what worked and what didn't work. Right. Um, what was confusing, what goes on too long. And that's really what helps pull me out of my own personal bias right. about who I liked or what scene I liked is hearing it you know, somebody who has no idea about this story watching this for the first time tell me what they think about right. it. Um, and that's good and bad. I mean, there's a balance there, yeah. but that's that's the best way to do it, at least from what I've found, because it is really hard to pull yourself away from something where you've been working on it for three years, right. you know? Perfect. Again, gosh, I swear we're on the same wavelength as you said. It's in Northeast Ohio. It must be, it must be that Ohio yeah, thing. No, yeah, yeah. so, and I'm, I, I don't consider myself a creative, but I'm in the creative art, you know, podcasting, I think are somewhat creative. So yeah, um, my wife is, is my biggest fan and my biggest critic, you know, and, and that's a great thing. Yeah. And that's a compliment to her. I'm thankful yeah. because she's also my, probably my biggest listener. <laughs> so um, she'll go out <laughs> and listen to an episode and then she'll come home and she'll give feedback. And, and there's times yeah. where, you know, so that's my follow-up question is um, how have you learned to receive feedback when you're passionate about something? You know, mm -hmm. you know what, like for me, when I'm doing a podcast, I know what I meant to say. Uh, sometimes it's sloppy, it's messy. That's kind of me. That's kind of my shtick, right? That's just sure. who I am. That's why it's unscripted. Um, but 
um, maybe something didn't come through on audio the way that I knew it should have, or I felt like it should have. And she'll give that feedback. How have you been able to work, um, and receive feedback and not take it personally? Yeah, that's, and that's so difficult. And I'll also say that my wife is the same way. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I actually don't show her a cut until it's five or six cuts in because I know I need to get it really polished to get her first round of feedback. But um, yeah, it's it's difficult. I mean, you try not to have too much of an ego, but it's it's tough not to when you put so much of your heart and soul into right. something. Um, I mean, it's human nature. Mm-hmm. And so um, I will say that I, I try to standardize the process as much as possible. When I show people uh, a cut, I, um, I usually have a list of questions or specific items that I want them to comment on. That's not to say I don't welcome general feedback as well, but I really try to kind of steer the conversation in a certain mm-hmm. way. Um, and I also try to just shut my mouth. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's, that's the, probably the, the one thing that I really try to do is I just listen and nod my head and take notes. Right. And even if I am biting my <laughs> tongue so much, my mouth's bleeding. Like I can't, I, if I start talking, then it, then it kind of, I don't want to create a chilling effect for them where they feel like, Oh, he's being defensive. Yeah. Even though in my, in my heart, I, right. you know, I'm really, you know, I feel it. But I think that that's a big thing too, is that you eat, no matter how frustrating it might be, just being quiet yeah. and letting people talk and, and taking notes. Um, and then at the end you look at all the notes and there's always going to be outliers and there's going to be conflicting notes. Um, but trying to make sense of that, uh, that's a skill unto itself, you know, understanding what feedback's valid and which, which feedback to throw out. But, um, I don't know. I, and I'm certainly still learning and growing with this. Every time I, I make a new film, the best way to receive feedback. But I, I think uh, I think being quiet is probably uh, <laughs> is probably a universal uh, tip that I would say in any feedback session. Just just let it play out. Know that it's going to be painful. You know, let it flow over yeah. you, and then uh, yeah. make heads or tails of it afterward. And I could tell you that I think it was last week or maybe the week before um, she gave some feedback and my response was not positive. And I later apologized <laughs> and just said, I'm sorry. Like, cause I think, you know, we just take it personal. It's, it's our baby, you know, it's, it's our, yeah. it's our thing, you know? And, and yeah. um, uh, yeah, so, but, but I'm thankful for the feedback. So um, one last question, um, yeah. you know, was there a particular person um, in, in this? Cause there's several stories, as you mentioned, that, that had to be uh, really, draw you in? Was there one particular that, that, uh, you want to highlight? Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll talk about, um, a guy named Jerry who was, is the, actually the very last model featured in the film. Um, Jerry's been in and out of jail many times. He's been homeless for many years. Um, he is in housing now, but, um, I mean, he, he, he has a long, uh, history of, of, uh, substance abuse and homelessness. And so, He's always been around the church, and you know he would be watching Christopher the artist doing his artwork, and you know initially he was skeptical about being in the fresco, not even the film, just the fresco. And it took a long time for the artist Christopher to kind of gain the trust and and convince him to do it. Um, it was the same way with the film; it took him an even longer time to to agree to do the film. And you know part of the process of making this film was just going to the church without a camera and just talking to people mm-hmm. and trying trying to gain trust and you know a, a big part of documentary filmmaking is just interpersonal relationships right. i mean making people feel comfortable and with jerry it was it was definitely that and uh one day he just said like all right let's film today 
all right, well, let's let's that's do it. Right. And so that's what we did. And um, it was a really powerful interview. And it's it, his story is is heartbreaking. Mm. Um, and I was I felt honored that he shared it in such a um, in such an honest and authentic way. And so that scene is pretty powerful in the film. It was also a pretty um, challenging one to capture in general. I mean, it took months and months to to, to you know convince him to talk. Um, but the cool part was, you know, after he talked, I think he felt kind of empowered by sharing his story. And so, you know, he would come back into the church when I'd be filming and he would, uh, you know, give me tips on the camera and what he thought I should be That's filming. Good. And uh, he's he came around a lot after the fresco was completed. And so I think that, um, you know, going back to what we talked about earlier, like the power of seeing yourself in a mural, right. the power right. of seeing yourself in a way you've never thought of yourself as, yeah. um, I think that was transformational for Jerry, both with the, the fresco and the film. And so, um, that's, that's a pretty cool, a pretty cool scene and a pretty cool experience for making the film. That's awesome. Uh, that's awesome. I can't, I, yeah. So let's, let's talk specifically about the film. Cause you, you've given me yeah. much more than I think I probably even asked uh, or, or even imagined that this interview <laughs> could be, and I'm, I've been fascinated. Sure. Hopefully our audience is, um, cool. but, but for the audience, uh, why we really got on here, theirs is the kingdom. I don't even know if we've mentioned it. Theirs is the kingdom is the name of the film. Um, where can this audience, you know, where will this be distributed? How can I watch the film? Sure, sure. So um, you could watch it on iTunes, on Google Play. Um, I don't know when this podcast will come out, but it's going to be broadcast on the World Channel on Easter. Okay. Um, and that covers about 75% of the U.S. Um, and it's also available on PBS.org uh, to stream it there. Um, that's until May 1st. And so depending on when you're listening to this podcast, um, it's going to be available in a number of different places. Um, it's also being broadcast on PBS stations all over the country. So I would say, you know, check your local listings. Um, but if you go to theirs is the kingdom uh, I have links to all those places there by May, it'll probably be available on more streaming services too, but right now it's Google and, and Apple. Um, and so, It'll be available on the big ones. It'll be easy to find. Uh, but if you have any questions, just go to the website. Um, also, on, on our Instagram page, which is just um, at theirs is the kingdom, uh, we, we post a lot of the updates and That's things awesome. on, that, on that page, too. Um, and if you are you know, part of an organization, faith-based or otherwise, I mean, we've, we've done a number of community screenings um, uh, with organizations that you know, work with uh, these types of populations, home, homeless, uh, mental, uh, mental illness, addiction, and we've done screenings with them. We've also done screenings at a number of um, individual uh, churches and congregations. If you're interested in, in doing something like that, maybe you're listening to this podcast and you're a part of one of those organizations, if you go to our website, there's a form there to fill out to host a screening. We have a, a discussion guide that kind of travels with the film as well. Um, and so that's kind of the big focus this year is, is more community-based grassroots screenings and then getting the film out on a, on a wider scale, both um, on TV and, and on digital uh, streaming. I love it. Um, so anybody listening, please support, you know, however that is. Uh, and I suppose by watching the film, that supports you, correct? Yeah, especially with the streaming platforms. That helps. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And is there any other way that we can support? I, I know you mentioned the community screening. Um, are there other ways if someone watches the film, doesn't watch the film, just has listened to this interview, is there ways that we can support you and what you're doing? 
Well, I mean, I will say a, a goal for this film is to kind of uh, shine a light on the on the work of Haywood Street, okay. uh, the, the church in, in Asheville. Um, you know, whether you're a person of faith or not, I think what they're doing in terms of uh, how they are responding to the homeless community in Asheville is a model for a number of cities in, in the United States. And so, you know, if you ever find yourself in Asheville, there's a lot of great restaurants and breweries there, a lot of, a lot of good reasons to go there. I would encourage you to go see the fresco, um, go to Haywood Street and see it, because um, I, I think that's, that's a point of impact, I think, from the film that I would, I would like to see. Um, but for me personally, I mean, no, just, just follow the page on Instagram, keep up to date with the film. If you, uh, if you like the film, share it with your friends. I mean, it's one of the struggles of, as an independent filmmaker is kind of getting the word out about a project. And so, uh, I think the, the biggest way to support would be just sharing the, you know, sharing the, about the film if you liked it and, uh, help spreading the word. Perfect. And I'll, I'll have all the links, uh, that, uh, at least the ones I can link um, in this yeah. blog post uh, with our episode as well. So go to mindscripted.com backslash podcast and find this interview and you'll find those links in there as well. But uh, man, thank you so much for your time. I know we may have gone different directions than uh, just talking about the film, but I think it's been fascinating oh, and I love hearing yeah. your passion. I mean, I think that's most people listen to unscripted and, and I often am preaching to myself when I say it is, you know, we have to find um, our value. And, and what, you know, for me, what God created us to do. And it sounds like that God put you at an intersection here with a, a time and a place for a reason. And those stories that are memorials on that wall are always going to be there, but so were your memories. And, and now you have a film to also have that. So, um, man, this has been really interesting. Thank you so much for, uh, for sharing yeah. with the audience. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I, I, I love talking about this, not just my film, but just, the art of documentary filmmaking in general. So I, I appreciated, uh, I appreciated the direction of the interview. Awesome. Well, if you make it back to Ohio, uh, lunch is on me. <laughs> cool. Yeah, all right. I, I'll take you up on that. All right. Last time, uh, the film, uh, they can find that on all the streaming platforms. The name of the film is theirs is the kingdom documentary, and it can be found on most of the streaming platforms, PBS. Uh, and then again, the links will be in my post, uh, and on Instagram one more time. What's the, the Instagram? There's the kingdom. There's the kingdom. There's yep. T H. Uh, my spelling's not so good. T H E I R S is the kingdom. Uh, and that's on yep. Instagram, correct? Yep. On Instagram on, on there's the kingdom film.com. Yep. Is there a Facebook page? Uh, there is actually, I should start saying that cause that's a newer thing that we just launched, but it, there is a Facebook page, uh, if you just look for theirs is the kingdom documentary, okay. uh, on Facebook, it, it'll pop up, but I, 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 uh, need to find the ag- no, you're exact. Good. So search Facebook. <laughs> you're good. I caught you with, I caught yeah. you with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. uh, theirs is the king. Theirs is the kingdom on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, most of your streaming services, the links will be in this post. Thank you so much, my friend. This has been wonderful. Yeah. Thank you for your time and your insight into creating, uh, a documentary and just being a creative in general. And uh, I promise, uh, I'll give good feedback. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate I that. No, all good. Uh, appreciate you. Happy Easter to you, my friend. Uh, and yeah, I know if, well. if people hear it after Easter, you know, I uh, hope you had a great Easter. So, uh, thanks so much, man. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the unscripted podcast with your host, Aaron Conrad. Make sure to like, share, follow, and review on your favorite podcast platforms. 
Also, make sure to check out my song, Great and Mighty One, on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your music. We'll see you next time on Unscripted with Aaron Conrad.